The Deluxe Edition Network, also known as The Den, is an incredible podcast network that offers a wide variety of entertaining and informative podcasts. With a lineup of shows covering various topics, such as interviews with a wide variety of guests, history, music, relationships, true crime, and so much more. The Den provides content that caters to a diverse range of interests. The hosts and guests on the Deluxe Edition Network demonstrate a deep passion and expertise in their respective fields, making each episode on each show engaging and thought-provoking. The network fosters a sense of community by encouraging listeners to interact through live chats, social media, and forums, creating an inclusive environment for discussion and sharing opinions. With his commitment to high-quality production, the shows in the Deluxe Edition Network continue to captivate and entertain its ever-growing audience. Whether you're a podcast enthusiast or someone looking to explore new topics, The Den is a fantastic platform to dive into and uncover fascinating insights from experts in their fields. The Deluxe Edition Network is the home of independent awesomeness. To find all these great podcasts in one convenient location, head over to DeluxeEditionNetwork.com. That's DeluxeEditionNetwork.com. Hello, it's the MILF and Me podcast. I'm your host, Antonio, with a very special guest host today. I've got my friend and fellow podcaster, Kay, of the Fuck My Work Life podcast on the show, filling in for Diana. Kay, I'm so happy to have you on the show, finally. This is exciting. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. Your podcast, Fuck My Work Life, was one of the first podcasts that I connected with with my other show, The Cult Worthy. And we're kind of like in a little creative network environment that, you know, we support each other. And uh, I think we've all learned different things from each other over the last couple of years. And I got to tell you that your podcast with your husband, Jay, is one of the main inspirations for what Diana and I do here. You know, the, the, bad dating stories instead of bad work life stories. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and let you describe what your podcast is because you can do it better than me. But I just got to tell you that if it wasn't for you and the Wilsons, I don't think I would have ever put this concept together with Diana because I, I just didn't see how it was done correctly with two people, man, woman. I mean, we're not married, but we may as well be sometimes <laughs> and make it work and make it engaging and make it fun. So uh, how about you tell us a little bit about Fuck My Work Life? Okay. So, I mean, the topic of this podcast, you would think Fuck My Work Life would have a different meaning. Um, it's not about, you know, fucking at work. I mean, right. I guess it could be if someone <laughs> sends in a story like that. But it's basically like we thought it would be more of a place for people that just really wanted to rant about their work day, maybe kind of role play like this is something I really want to tell my boss and just get it off your chest but it it kind of morphed into this people just sending us these weird random stories of things that happened to them while on the job so we've had a huge variety of stories come in from you know people shitting their pants to get out of work 
<laughs> which you shared with us. And, you know, some office romance type stories, uh, just really weird encounters with bosses and customers and the whole range. And it's just been a lot of fun to hear people's stories. And we share a little bit about kind of our work day that we we don't say what we do or right you know we, we want to keep our jobs so yeah <laughs> and anonymity mm. yeah. something that diane and i threw out the window a long time ago <laughs> yeah. i think we've both probably said too much to the certain people and for me i don't care like it's just i don't really talk about my work life so much but going into the topic that we're going to talk about later today it's something that Diana definitely had reservations about because a lot of the dating stories that she brought to the show and a lot of interesting characters that she's dated have come from previous employers and work life mm -hmm. uh, situations. And even though she found herself far removed from these people for years, yeah, some of them come out of the woodwork and it's like, how dare you tell that story? She's like, yeah. I didn't say where it was i didn't say who it was but they're like yeah but enough people know that they're gonna know it's me <laughs> i mean if they already know they already know right That's what I said, so. right it's like <laughs> you know what you did <laughs> yeah so we are going to be talking about work life romance disasters or just work life romances in general because they don't always end up in disasters i think that's where we have to start this is that you and your partner met at work right yeah yeah. So actually, um, I've been married twice and I met both of my husbands at work <laughs> at the same workplace. So <laughs> um, my my family calls my work my eHarmony. Um, but yeah, so it was it's kind of weird. So Jay and I met. We both worked at the same place, but we didn't really meet at work because he mm. was traveling for work and a mutual friend was like, oh, you should you should meet my friend. And mm -hmm. I, I was at kind of at a point in my life where I was like, no, I don't want to meet anybody. I want to be alone. <laughs> and <laughs> she's like, okay, great. We'll come to a, a barbecue at my house. Okay. And then she also invited Jay. So we started talking and the rest is history. And I think it works for us because we're in different departments. Um, we don't work directly with each other. We hardly right. see each other throughout the day. So it's not like awkward or if something went wrong we could avoid each other you know type of thing but it doesn't always happen that way it doesn't and you know i i like to consider myself a proponent of you know practice what you preach mentality not all of us are that way a lot of us will tell people what we think is the right thing to do and we'll offer our advice but mm -hmm. in reality, we are the last fucking person that we should be giving advice because <laughs> we made so many mistakes. I can tell you right now that my longest standing relationships were all relationships that started in the workplace. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that they were the best relationships. It just meant <laughs> they lasted the longest, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I've spent almost 20 years in the restaurant industry. So that's even worse if you find your person in the restaurant industry. Yeah. That's an intense industry. But it brings like you already have something in common, right? You've got this huge thing in common already. And I think that's why it tends to happen a lot. You you can relate to each other in a way that maybe someone you meet online or in a bar, you can't relate to each other on that level. This is a very interesting subject, too, because I've been seeing a lot of this on social medias, which I didn't used to be a TikTok guy, an Instagram Reels guy. And then once I started this show, 
mm-hmm. finding the love gurus and finding topics for the week. There's a lot of bullshit out there. I mean, it's mostly bullshit, right? But then there yeah. are people who say things that actually resonate with me. And one of those things is, you know, you and I are late Gen Xers. I'm an early, early millennial, like right on the cusp, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we hear about uh, why people in our generation meet and have relationships in the workplace is because the generations before us either had matchmaking, setups, family introductions, um, high school sweethearts, mm-hmm. all these different ways that they were supposed to find each other, create families, and live happily ever after. But as we see the economy start to tank for the middle class and lower classes, People like you and I are working more. We're working longer. We are socializing less. And therefore, Mm -hmm. you're going to start being attracted to people that you spend the most time with. And for people like us, that's work. Right. Yeah. And it it can be a blessing and a curse, though. Like I said, that whole you have something that you can talk about to each other at the end of the day and you understand what you're talking about. You don't have to go into all the details of explaining the backstory and stuff. Right. it also can suck because sometimes that's all you talk about. And, you know, you kind of have to reach a point where you're like, okay, stop. No more work talk. We're at home. Let's talk <laughs> about something else. Let's talk about something pleasant. And so it can definitely be a double, double-edged sword in that sense. Right. But at the same time, gossip is fun. Juicy oh, gossip is, is more fun. <laughs> and before you know it, you've wasted hours talking about it. And you talk about it again because it was that much mm-hmm. more fun. And- yeah, that's definitely something that uh, my partner, who you know I have a child with, bought a house with, we were technically engaged. We both met in the same company through people that set us up. We've worked in the same store, never in the same departments. But it's really interesting too when you work in a work setting that is compartmentalized, mm-hmm. so you're not necessarily aware of what's going on in each department, but you know the people and yeah. each person has a different story or a different piece of gossip that finds its way from one department to another. And that actually is kind of fun. You know, it's the telephone game, but yeah. I'm 42 and I still love the fucking telephone game. So <laughs> it, I mean, I don't know if you ever grow out of that because I love, I love the gossip too. It's, right. I used to like have my finger on the pulse of all of it, but like the last couple of years, I'm just like, I'm just going to wait until it comes to me and I'll hear what I hear. But I still love it when someone comes to me like, did you hear about this thing? You're like, ooh, drama. Ooh, I love it. Tell. <laughs> well, and your podcast is essentially based off of workplace gossip anyway. So Yeah, yeah it can be for sure. <laughs> what I thought would be fun today is us bringing a couple workplace office disaster stories to the show your show is basically built on that. So I'm sure you had like a backlog or a catalog of emails or stories or things that kind of worked your way into picking your choice for the day. I had to go into Reddit, which I love, to find ones that uh, I thought would be interesting. And it's funny because the two that I picked, in a way, I've almost experienced myself in one position or another, whether it was uh, someone who was cheating on me or whether it was people that shouldn't have been together or in the industry for sure. I'm not in the restaurant industry anymore. I'm still technically in the food industry, but in the restaurant industry, it's always like a waiting game where uh, some innocent looking 
man or woman comes into a new establishment and everyone's like, ooh, who's going to sleep with that person first? Who's going to get <laughs> mm-hmm. that person first? And it's almost like a scientific experiment where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. if they match up, how long is it going to take for him to realize that she slept with everyone in the restaurant? And how is he going <laughs> to handle it and vice versa? It's 100% every situation I've ever seen like that, the same thing. Everyone mm-hmm. knows no one says shit because then it ruins the fun. It ruins the experiment. You don't get to see it. (laughs) Yeah. We kind of have a similar thing where we work, where when we hire, it's like in groups of people and everyone knows when that start date is. And it's almost just like a parade, right? Like the people are walking in and everyone's just like, all right, who am (laughs) I gonna, you know, who's gonna be on my list for trying to hook up with? And it's really gross, but also very entertaining. It's entertaining. And something I could say with me is like, now that I'm 42 years old, I'm in a good relationship. I have a baby. I feel secure for like one of the first times in my life. It's great just kind of being like a conscientious observer, right? Where Mm -hmm. I'm just in the background. I can watch it happen. I'm not going to do anything to stop or promote it. I can just watch and enjoy. Now, you're more in like the, what I guess, administrative side of the workplace or more office setting, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, big, big, like, open floor plan cubicle type of environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people at desks, you know, desk jobs. Since mine is a little bit more compartmentalized by, you know, food type and retail type, I don't really have much experience with this. But I've always been curious about the work husband and work wife dynamic. Mm -hmm. Is that something that's more in like the office world than, you know, retail or restaurant world, do you think? I think so, because I think when you're in an office environment, depending on what you do, of course, you can have a lot of downtime or, you know, the breaks where you sit and you sit with someone or chatting with someone all day. Whereas I feel like the restaurant business, you're kind of like always on your feet. You're always moving. You're always doing things. You don't really have the time to just kind of like sit down and talk. Like Jay has a work wife and we make fun (laughs) of it because, you know, they have lunch together every day. And she's also a good friend of mine. But it's just funny that it's like she's become the work wife because they sit there and they complain on their lunch break and eat lunch together every day. (laughs) And it's just it's funny to me because, you know, his actual wife (laughs) works there, too. But we don't, you know, we don't have lunch together. And it's just, it's funny to me that, but I think this concept happens a lot. You know, you see people that you're like, you know, that they're coupled up or married outside of work, but they form these bonds. And it it usually tends to be like a male female bond. And I don't know if they're just seeking out that connection while at work, you know, what they're not, when they're not at home, or it's just, it's a comfortable feeling. But yeah, you see it a lot. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't get to see that in my industry, but it's no secret to the listeners of the show that most of my close friends are female, and in my relationship it's fine because you know we did things a healthy way, we brought things in early, there were no surprises, you know it's like yes, this is my good friend, we kissed twenty years ago, and that's it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So get that out of the way right now. But I think, especially with some of the things that I've read, is that there are so many people that both men and women, because of the, I guess, intimidation factor, they choose not to tell their partner about their workplace relationships, right? 
So anyway, today we're going to talk about these stories. Now, I'm going to let you start off with the first one because you are my honored guest. What have you got for us? Okay, so I actually, shockingly, we don't have a lot of workplace romance stories that get sent to us. I looked, we did a an episode really early on when we started the podcast on it, and I read through those stories. I'm like, mm, I don't like those so much anymore. <laughs> so I found some online. Um, this is from refinery29.com. But I thought this was a good one. So out of the gate, this already isn't starting off well. He was my boss at my first job out of college. So, you know, somebody very young mm-hmm. dating the boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I admired and respected him. But I also thought of him as a very good friend. Nope. That's never nope, good that's in a boss. <laughs> you always in trouble. <laughs> yeah. That's probably how everyone at the company thought of him. Some of his advances were sketchy, some were kind of romantic, but overall he was very persistent, and eventually I threw caution to the wind, and we started to quietly date. There are just so many red flags. It's just yeah. predator, predator, predator. <laughs> <laughs> but after a while, he told me I wasn't the only one in the office that he was dating. I assumed the other girl found out about me and forced him to come clean. I was completely shocked, just flabbergasted. I had no idea there was anything between them. I felt really hurt and betrayed, angry, disgusted, and also ashamed that I was in a scenario I never would have thought to be in. Life is too short to work for an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, honey, (laughs) you've got a long road ahead of you. (laughs) Yeah, you're fresh out of college. Just wait. (laughs) (laughs) I really didn't see any other choice but to quit. I mean, that sucks, but yeah. I didn't know how to handle the situation, so my roommate's mom put me in touch with a sexual discrimination lawyer. The lawyer advised me on the language I I should use in my resignation letter and the sum I should ask for as compensation for essentially leaving quietly. It was a little little blackmail. Yeah, I'm like, that's sketchy. (laughs) (laughs) Been there a week. (laughs) Right? At least she's got the lawyer speak. so. (laughs) So in addition to being an emotional wreck, I also had to try to compose myself enough to come across as genuinely litigious and not be scared shitless about the consequences. Looking back, I still can't believe I did that. But I guess this shit happens every day. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, the lawyer's advice worked and I was compensated, which made me feel gross initially, but in the long run was so crucial because it took me a while to find a new job. I mean, I was too scared to even ask for references, since that had been my only real job. It was a terrible life lesson that could have been avoided if I didn't get involved with someone at work, much less my boss. God knows I mentally turned back the clock a million times. But of course, I thought my situation was different, as we all do, so this may have been the only way for me to learn that lesson. Okay, maybe, but we do live in the modern age, right? And we hear yeah. about stuff like this on TikTok and Instagram. And I always like to think that there is some kind of social awareness that if your boss is flirting with you, you're not the first one. This is a right. behavior that someone's developed comfort with and mm-hmm. has gotten away with. And that's how things do progress. And this is a something. How about they teach you that in college? You know, right? are there courses in that? If you're like getting your MBA, or if you're getting your degree, and you're going to the corporate world. There should be at least a small course, 101 of, 
hey, don't fuck your boss. <laughs> don't right. fuck your coworkers. You're not the first one. Warning signs. I should have my own university. You know, I could teach a great <laughs> class on that. Dude, you know, just <laughs> real life university, right? Like I'm never going to use trigonometry. Like, fuck off. Teach me some real life lessons. Teach me. Well, I mean, not anymore. But back in the day, teach me how to balance a checkbook. And you know what I mean? Like how not to go into credit card debt. <laughs> All kinds there you of go. Real life lessons instead of. They should be teaching that in high school, you know, (laughs) they should. These are the things that, you know, again, like I like to say there should be a show social awareness, but really there isn't. And I think a reason why that is the case is because for so long, we've seen that kind of behavior glamorized on TV. Mm -hmm. Like think about sitcoms in the 80s where it's like it was the hot boss, you know, and everyone wants to sleep with the new guy and blah, blah, blah. It was actually kind of glamorized. And even before Me Too happened, I think by that point, we'd heard enough stories and seen enough tragedy in people's lives that there should be a bigger social awareness. And I don't think there is for some people. So, yeah. yeah and I, I think, too, right out of college, you're still a baby. You're right? a baby. And you're going to think, well, this is, yeah, I know this is probably not good, but it's going to be different for me. Right. You know, you're all bright eyes and. You think the world is different than it actually is. Even though you've heard the stories, you, you right. kind of feel like, well, this is going to be different for me. He really, I can tell he really likes me. <laughs> you know? And Yes. Sometimes I, you just have to learn those lessons the hard way. When I was in college and one of my uh, restaurant and hospitality business classes, they were talking about you should not uh, consider resumes where people have less than three months on their resume in a certain place or when you're writing your resume if you're not there for more than three months preferably six months don't put it on there you know yeah. only put your long-standing stuff because if you have a multitude of employment on your resume in little short spurts it's gonna start prompting the people to ask you questions that you don't want to answer yeah. It, you know, why were you only there for three months? Oh, because I fucked my boss and mm-hmm. <laughs> things went south. Yeah, you don't want to answer that question. So don't even make it a, a question to ask. Yeah. That's, I mean, I used to do uh, interviews at my work and seeing some of the resumes that came through. <laughs> you're just like two months here, two months here, two months here. And you're, two months there, two months there. What, two months there. What, <laughs> what's happening here? Right. That's a podcast <laughs> right there. Yeah. Resumes yeah. of why were you only there for two months? Tell me your story. Mm-hmm. All right. Mine that I'm going to go into is the tell of the telltale hands. I okay. love this one because I feel like this has happened to pretty much anybody who's ever worked in the restaurant industry. So I am a waiter. I'm female, but we're all called waiters in a hipster restaurant in New York City. We wear white blouses, black skirts, black hose, and small black aprons. One of the other girls had a thing for one of the pastry chefs. She was like a frenzied Haley's Comet. Somehow her orbit took her into one of the pantries every time a certain chef worked. The problem is she was currently dating one of the other servers. So one day she comes out of the pantry. We all turn to look to find that she has two perfectly shaped white flower handprints on her ass. (laughs) We started to track her around the store, but the owner got to her first. He confronted her about the relationship between the server and the chef. Needless to say, none of them work there anymore. 
Too bad there were white handprints on her blouse, too. Though, so, yeah. In the restaurant industry, the walk-in and the dry storage, like the, the most mm-hmm. private areas of the restaurant. I can't tell you how many countless hookups I've walked into between oh, server yeah. staff, between the chef or a GM. Like it is real debauchery in most restaurants, even like the big corporate ones, sometimes mm-hmm. even more in the big corporate ones. And one of the things that I always liked too is there really is no hierarchy or social dynamic in the restaurant industry when it comes to who's going to fuck who, right? Like mm-hmm. I've seen general managers who make like 100K a year getting nailed by the dishwasher in dry storage. Like the hierarchy all crumbles. It's a really interesting thing. I think it's one of the last places of employment where that kind of hierarchy doesn't matter. You know, no one's trying to climb a corporate ladder. No one's trying to sleep their way to the top. It's like, hey, we've been here for 10 hours. You want to go to the dry storage, <laughs> you know? Wow. Flower handprint. That is. That's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I think you have to have a certain level of insanity to work in the industry long term. You know, mm-hmm. I think, and I'm not shitting on my own, you know, people who I worked with or went to school with. I'm not trying to shit on this industry. I'm just saying that this is kind of why the industry is the way it is. I think when it comes to like being a server or sometimes even a line cook or a busboy or a dishwasher, those are supposed to be like transitional roles, right? Like you're doing this while you're going to school to learn to do something else. But we see a lot of man boys and a lot of women who just get used to that lifestyle because you can go work for four or five hours in a night, make a few hundred bucks, and then just go blow it all at the bar afterwards. And that lifestyle is perpetual. That becomes mm-hmm. your social circle and blah, blah, blah. And I, I, would, I would like to think that now in this new kind of social environment that we live in, that that might have changed a little bit and that people are more aware and maybe have a little bit more uh, self-love and want more fulfillment than that. But at the end of the day, I still connect with my old restaurant buddies. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's like you're 45 years old and you're doing the same shit you were doing when we were 22, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a totally different lifestyle. I'm like, you know, when I was younger, that sounds like fun, you know, working two hours, fun. going, but at some point you gotta, you gotta grow up and grow out of that. Right. Especially with rent the way it is yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. But then and you're also trying your to social, get yeah. and your social, social circle. Oh my God, I can't talk this morning. Social circle <laughs> is a much younger crowd than you. So that that can oh, end up being a little true. problematic too. Yeah, there there really is something kind of sad about like the older servers that are trying to party with the younger ones. We mm-hmm. still accept them, but there is that little bit of dude, what what you doing? Huh? You yeah. know. So Yeah, it's like all right, what's the next down. one you got? <laughs> uh so I once made out with a much senior coworker after a drunken happy hour when I was 23 or 24. He ignored me for the next three days after the incident, and I learned that right after we made out, he had ended his relationship of four years. I was confused and sort of stunned that he may have broken up with his live-in girlfriend because of me. We dated secretly for a few months after that. It was strange and strained. Eventually, everyone found out, and it was awkward with our coworkers. Then things got really uncomfortable. Regret, regrettably, I think it painted me in a certain light to the executive level staff. He ended up leaving the company and shutting down his entire division in the wake. 
I stayed on for a few more years, but that relationship has always followed me. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a thing, too. It's like, if you're going to be sleeping around with the higher ups, that's going to that's gonna get around. And then you now you've got that reputation, you know? <laughs> like, Diana worked at this one place, uh, very, let's say, ambitious workforce. It was, you know, so admin with a lot of sales reps and sales reps by nature are very go get them territorial dudes to begin with. It's just mm -hmm. it has to be in your nature to be somewhat predatory to be a good sales rep. Right. And that was the problem when you've got very attractive people in a building with very ambitious and territorial people, because we already talked about oh, who's going to sleep with who first. Well, the second you like get two or three people into your circle, then you've created like a lot of unbalance amongst the alpha dudes. They're like, ah, how dare you? That's mine, that's mine, that's mine. And she saw sales reps leave. She saw sales reps get fired over people fighting over the same girl or guy even. Like it happens in both ways. Yeah. I just yeah. don't have it in me to be that, uh, <laughs> I I'm not gonna say promiscuous, but when you do sleep around in an environment like that, you are kind of responsible for creating the things that are going to hurt the bottom line. And that's why they're so, and this is the funniest thing about it is the HR stuff is so black and white and they really kind of pound it into you about inter-office romance and relationships because they are trying to protect their bottom line. Yet that mm -hmm. is a thing that gets most people in trouble at the end of the day. You just can't fight it. Like these people just can't not sleep with each other. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, it's human nature. People want to fuck. They do want to fuck. What is it about that? Okay, that's where I like the restaurant industry is because everyone knows it's going to happen. There's no mm -hmm. stopping it. Servers are $2.13 an hour. If one of them bounces, there'll be one in there the next day. It's kind of a disposable industry. and I think yeah. that's why it's more acceptable there where in, let's say, a corporate environment, I mean, I heard somewhere where it costs something like $10,000 just to train a new mm -hmm. employee in a corporate thing. And if they don't make it or if they get fired or if there's a thing where you're sleeping with somebody and you have to get exited, well, that is just a $10,000 loss right out of the gate. Yeah. And as those add up, that affects your bottom line. So I get it. I get it. I mean, there's a lot of relationships where I work, but there's not a lot of, you know, the hierarchy of... um roles at work but when there is when someone high up gets found out for dating someone else and it's not always just a hookup it's like dating dating then you know like forced to retire or i'm gonna yeah. retire <laughs> early now and it's like your whole career and right. you know, sometimes you just can't help falling in love with who you fall in love with but oh it's it's a messy situation how about this one Years ago, the company I worked for decided to install security cameras in various parts of the facility. Some were for security reasons, like at the entrance doors, but others were supposed to cut down on employee theft. It seemed a little big brotherish, but it was hard to complain since the only reason you can get upset is if you were doing something wrong in the first place, right? The company installs the cameras over a weekend when people are off, and on Monday they come in to do the demo system. Me, the CEO, the controller, and a few other managers are sitting in the conference room watching the tech guys scroll through the different angles of the cameras. We were just sitting there bored watching it until we got a view of one of the supply closets. 
and two employees were getting intimate. But because of the camera angle, we could not see the guy's face, but we saw the woman's. Is that, someone said, yes, that is our HR manager. <gasps> no. <laughs> okay, this situation needs to be corrected. And then someone mentioned, that's my wife. <gasps> so oh, the no. HR manager was fired that day. The CEO had to put out a whole new notice about no intimate relationships in the office and the marriage of the other person in the office ended shortly after. Wow. So, yeah. Cameras are everywhere now, Kay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even in yeah. restaurants. Even in fast food places, there's cameras everywhere. There's cameras outside the bathroom. So, someone's watching. <laughs> mm -hmm. We have cameras oh my all over our work and in some places, audio recording. So, even though there's a lot of people that get together at work, there's not a lot of hookups at work because there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide at my work either. And they're a little bit sneaky too because they did install cameras in the most interesting places over the last couple of years where they said, yeah, it's for employee theft. And it's also to make sure that if there is a safety thing or a violation to make sure that it's caught on camera so there can be retraining. They always say retraining is the mm -hmm. reason why they do things. Get out of here. You know, we know yeah. what you're talking about. But one of the things that caught me off guard is when they told us, oh, and by the way, we assure you that these cameras don't pick audio up. It's like, well, why would you say that? I'm mm -hmm. going to assume they don't. But now that you've said it, it's like now I think they are. And you're just trying to tell us that they're not. So now everyone knows if you're going to gossip or if you're going to bitch about something, you go in the walk-in because there's no cameras in there. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, stay away from the ones that are obvious because why would someone say, oh, we assure you they don't pick up audio unless they have picked up audio? Mm -hmm. date with a guy who was super nice and if you rewarded that behavior then the world would be full of nice men you went home and you told your roommate about how you had a nice date and he was kind of fun and then you went to go your toxic ex if you really wanted men to change you could change all of it Literally. by not rewarding the behavior that you don't like if you wanted men to be nice all you had to do would be to only nice men and the entire world would change. The reason why men are the way they are, the reason they are competitive, the reason they are assertive, the reason they go to the gym all the fucking time yeah. is because those are the behaviors that you reward. <laughs> okay, so his point is the world would be a better place if you women only fucked the nice guys and not the alphas, mm -hmm. not the assertive dudes, not the assholes. Okay, so I'm not sure mm -hmm. how much you followed into the stuff that Diana and I have dug up in the last year of this podcast about alphas, betas, and simps and stuff like that. But dudes like this, mm -hmm. I'm trying to understand his, his logic here because dudes like this hate on betas and hate on simps. But here I feel like he's really hating on the women more because he's saying if you wanted mm -hmm. to make the world a better place – you wouldn't fuck the alphas. You'd only fuck the betas and simps. Right. Help me make this make sense. <laughs> or just fuck everyone. This this guy 
I think he just think hates he just women. He hates women in but... general. <laughs> <laughs> he just, it... but so it's it's our right. fault that dudes are assholes. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, take responsibility for your own goddamn actions. Right. First the of all, lack of accountability <laughs> in any of these guys just makes me laugh so hard. And and this is one of the things that I I'm a proponent of. Right. Um. Don't go after the woman that doesn't want you, right? I think that one of the things that builds these platforms is that it's trying to teach guys who maybe don't have a lot of confidence or insecure about their body or about their personality or their financial status. It's trying to coach them to think that they deserve more. If they just be more assertive and if they stop being simpish and beta-ish and turn on this asshole charm, and build themselves up in the gym and build themselves up financially, that girl that never wanted the time of day from you is now going to want you. But the simple answer mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. you shouldn't want that person to begin with. Find someone who's actually worth a damn and not superficial, right? Right. Find someone that loves you for you. Cause now if you do all those things, you're going against who exactly. you are by nature and they don't, they're not into you. They're into this version of you that you've created because these guru <laughs> assholes tell you like, this is what women right. want. And-, and on another level, he's also insulting men saying that they can just be trained right, like right, dogs. Right. right? <laughs> like This is the part too, that makes me laugh is that lifestyle that he was promoting. You know, for those of you that saw the video, he is a guy who goes to the gym a lot. He's a guy that probably spends most of his free time hustling and making that dollar. That's a hard mm-hmm. life to sustain, you know? And as you get older, yeah. staying fit becomes just a major fucking obstacle. You know, there was a point where I think it was like mm-hmm. I hit 37 or 38. I came to the realization is like, I don't want to stay fit anymore. My energy is going to be spent staying alive. <laughs> you know it's right. like okay uh, <laughs> yeah. i don't care about this six pack happy. anymore i don't care about that shit how's my blood pressure right. how's my psoriatic arthritis mm-hmm. how does it feel in the morning when i walk down the right. stairs that's become my priority and i think there are dudes like me in my age like my age range who feel like they've missed a window and now they're discovering gurus like this on social mm-hmm. media and it's speaking to them they're like yeah yeah, it's not too late. I can mm-hmm. do it. I'm like, bro, it's too late. <laughs> like, look at yourself. Look at your yeah. life. Look at the inflation right now. Is a hundred bucks a month at the gym really a good financial decision right now? Like, what car are you driving? What's your rent? You know, what's it going to be next mm-hmm. year? That's the kind of shit that I'd be worrying about. Yeah, and like going back to your point, why would you want to be with someone who only cared about what kind of car you you drove or how big your muscles are? Right? How is that going to be any kind of good deep relationship with any sort of value it's just you're just together till you look good together you know and it's like how is that sustainable it's not sustainable you know there there is something really and i think you probably know what i'm talking about there is something so rewarding and safe feeling when you and your partner can just look like a pile of dog shit sitting on the couch, drinking Coors Light (laughs) Mm -hmm. and watching some fucking nonsense on TV and not worry about having to be somewhere at a certain time or what I'm going to wear tonight or what my makeup looks like. It's like, Mm -hmm. seriously, 
this is my pilot dog shit. I'm their pilot dog shit. And that just feels great. There's nothing to me more secure. Yeah. When I have dated the always on point, always on fleek girls in the past, it was so exhausting because I had that expectation that mm. I had to match that energy. And that's just not me by nature. It's not, yeah. you know? Yeah, I want to look good and presentable. I don't want to look like dog shit outside, but I would rather just look like dog shit inside and not go outside and, and have to like live up to that right, certain right. energy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it, like you said, it's exhausting trying to put on that front constantly. And I feel like I was kind of that way when I was younger, right? Because I, that's what I thought you had to do. You had to be pretty at all times. You had to wake up with fresh breath in your hairbrush and look <laughs> adorable, you know, because that's right. what you see in like the TV shows and the movies. And it was just so freeing to get to an age where you're, and to be with a partner where you're just like, I'm a human being. I look like shit in the morning when I wake up. My breath stinks. Just you know? And, and you love still me. love me. And it's great. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's part of the fantasy that I think um, both sexes deal with is that the fantasy mm -hmm. is really only on the outside. I can't tell you how many um, beautiful, beautiful women, I'm not saying that I've been with, but like, let's say I've seen their house or I've seen their apartment or their room and it's a fucking shit show. Like, there's clothes everywhere. There's makeup mm -hmm. on the counter. They haven't washed the dishes in weeks and stuff like that. And it really kind of speaks to what the priorities are. You know, if the priority is a superficial yeah. appearance for the outside and that is what you think you need to find a high value person or someone that you think you deserve aesthetically or financially, but understand that they think that the outside that they're seeing, once they see the inside, your living conditions, the way you you keep your, your home and your bedroom is going to reflect that. And when it doesn't, they're often surprised that they get ghosted or someone's just like, eh, yeah. not for me. And dudes too, it works both ways. I'm not just shitting on pretty women. Uh, I, one of, one of yeah. my friends who is just really, really good, I guess he's just got a magnetic personality for certain types of women has never had an issue having a girlfriend or a side piece or whatever. And the dude lives like a college frat boy and he's my age and I don't understand it, but it's not my place to understand it. I'm yeah. happy where I'm at, but there are parts of me where I'm just like, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like that would be a huge turnoff for me personally. And for somebody, you know, in their forties to still be living like that. And depending on the situation, right. who knows, maybe they went through a divorce and they're starting over, you know, there's, there's so many variables, but if like I walk into someone's place and it's a huge mess or it's just squalor, that's just such a huge turnoff. Cause then you think, you start to think about the future and like, Am I going to be this cleaning this up every day if this goes like, somewhere? Hey, why haven't you picked up the shit that I left for you to pick up? Yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. this was a fun conversation. I really had a blast talking about those workplace stories. And I just, I love your podcast and I want more people to go and hear it. How about you drop your socials, let people know where they can find you and where they can send their work life stories? Because that's probably the most fun is that. Your content is people sending you workplace drama and workplace mm -hmm. stories. And it, it makes, I think, 
us all realize that no matter what job we're in or where we live in this country, we are in this kind of like brotherhood of bullshit when it comes to work life. <laughs> exactly. We are all the same when it comes to work, no matter what you do. So yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Um, we're on pretty much all the socials at FMWL pod. Some were more active on than others. <laughs> Sorry, X. And then uh, please, please, please send your workplace stories to fmwlpod at gmail.com. We also have a voicemail if you just prefer to talking to typing. And that's uh, 310-818-327. Absolutely. And I will put the links to that on the milfandmepod.com page so people can find it right there. And Kate, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. And when Diana comes back, we should all get together and have another episode and talk about more workplace drama. That'd be so much fun. <laughs> Thank Absolutely. You Everyone, we'll see you next week.